I will start my recorder one more time. Thank you all for being here till the bitter end for our interactive writing session. Um, I'm going to go ahead and audio record this session, and I don't know if um, I've invited. We have six different teachers here in Yukon this semester, and, and some started last spring, so they've been using um, uh, interactive website called Kidblog with their with their students for a whole year, and um, the re the resources for today's session, just like they are for for our other sessions, are inside my big campus. If you go to session five and then you click the link for getting started with interactive digital writing. On my other sessions, I think I just had one link for everything. On this one, I've actually put uh, four different links. Um, I will go ahead and do a quick plug. I probably should have done this for all my sessions um, about EdCamp. Um, next Saturday, um, I'm sure you're going to have lots of professional, you know, plenty of professional development today, and it'll, you know, satisfy you for what uh, we usually do this uh, five times a year, right? Um, but we are, for the first time, going to have an ed camp in Oklahoma City, which is an unconference, and uh, UConn is going to host it here at UConn High School. So um, I'm just going to play this quick little two-minute video to give you an idea about what an ed camp is and to invite you to uh, share this with others. And I think we'll, um, Adam will probably send out an email. Uh, have you all seen an email about this from the district? Have you all seen anything about it? So we'll get him to send something out. We should have probably done that earlier, but... Our focus has definitely been. I don't even know what my big campus is. How do I, how do I do that? Okay. Um, so I'll back up and, and do that. Uh, if you go to mybigcampus.com, um, I'll go ahead and log out. So kind of do this from, from scratch. My Big Campus is a learning management system that our district is using. So similar to universities that are using Blackboard or WebCT or Desire to Learn, these are, you know, got to log in, have a password, and get to your stuff. That's what My Big Campus is, except it's provided free by Lightspeed, which is the content filter that we um, use in UConn. So when you log in to My Big Campus, everyone in UConn has a login. Every teacher and every student does. It's your domain login like you would log into a Dell computer. So for me, it's FriarW uh, with a password. And then you've got to find your school. For most folks, you're just going to put in the word UConn, and it's going to search and bring up all the different UConn campuses. Now, you're also going to get the lower UConn district in Mountain Village, Alaska, and Fort UConn, Alaska. Um, but all of our campuses are there. For the admin folks in the admin building, they've got us as YPS admin. And so you can go ahead and log in. Um, my big campus has groups that you can join, and so what you want to do is find our group, which Adam called BYOD Conference, with periods after each letter of BYOD. So if you just start to type B, y, B period, Y period, O period, um, and then you search, uh, it is going to uh, pull up the groups, and this is this is the group. It's BYOD Conference. And if you have not joined this before, you can click a button that says um, join with a code, and I will give you my name tag, and there's a code that um, they have that you can put in and join. Did you find it? Yeah, I'm still right here, but it doesn't have a login button. Okay. Go ahead and click login here. All right, and then put your, put Yukon, type Yukon in here. Because you want to actually create the account, it's been created for you. Um, and it should have all of our elementaries in there. All right. 
in gas. So select it and then click sign in. And yes is fine to remember. Was it 6F something? Yes. And in fact, I'll, I've got it on a keynote slide. So that is the magic code. If you don't have the magic code, then you can still join, but they have to approve you, and it takes a little while. So just type up here in the search, um, B period, Y period, so all for BYOD. And then you can click search. And then you can turn off, well, or just, I guess, next. Master off. Okay, and let's try that again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so we are, if you scroll down a little bit, BYOD conference. Oh, maybe we need to type BYOD conference. So go ahead. And, oh, no, there it is. It's this first one. Yay. All right, so click on it there. Now it's going to say the magical join with a code. So click join with a code. And you're going to put that code that I've got on the screen. So it's 6FON and then 6PD7. It's an automatically generated code. And then click join. Yay, you're in. So now you can click resources. And under the session five resources, there's going to be a link to... Um, interactive writing and it will have hopefully um, the resources for this session so um, how many of you have used a uh, a Google document to make it to make a, uh, a a document with somebody has anybody done that before okay most of us have um, have you all how many of you have used a blog to have students write back to you to be able to write posts and, and be able to comment. So fewer of us have done, have done that. Um, this website, Mapping Media to the Common Core, is the new writing project, and I was hoping to have this done actually this month, and now I'm uh, going to be happy to get it done this semester. It's going to be done before the summer. I'm actually starting a uh, seven-part video conference-based course I'm teaching for teachers in Montana um, in March that is going to go through the first Six products, and so these are 12 different products that kids can create. And the idea is to show examples of these tools that teachers can use, and then a process that you might follow to get started using it. Sort of at the far end of this, we just had a session about Scratch. So creating a game or creating a simulation would be a pretty high-end thing to do, as far as you know what would be required, and and you know jumping into that. The things that are at the top of this list I would consider to be more entry-level things, like narrated art. Lindsay's been doing sessions on Audioboo. Taking a picture and then having a student narrate and talk about that picture would be narrated art. A five-photo story wouldn't involve narration at all. It's just five pictures. You know, a radio show is just audio. But we're going to plan it. We're going to make a script, and we're going to, you know, have a, a show just like you'd have on NPR or some other kind of radio show. This session is about interactive writing, and so um, I have sort of debated and, and blogged and, and talked with different people as far as, you know, what to call this. I really don't like calling it blogging because that scares people, okay? What is scary about the word blog? What comes to mind when I say blog? It's a negative connotation. Anything? Okay, it scares us that it's public, that everyone can read it. What else? Especially if there's social blogs, the commentary. 
commentary, we think about uh, trolls. You know, trolls are people that are virtually trying to disrupt, you know, bully, uh, put down, uh, you know, the, the whole thing. If, you know, and you can just go to the newspaper. I mean, every newspaper today is a blog, okay? Then uh, that means that they are allowing for folks to interactively respond to what we're saying. But unfortunately, it doesn't appear many newspapers moderate that much, and so you get a lot of nasty comments and you know just a lot of a lot of negativity that's there. So um, I've found and, and believe that words really matter, and we don't want to scare people off by using a word that scares them. So I like to talk about interactive writing more than just saying it's blogging, and it really is more than blogging because you can interactively write in a lot of different ways, not just on a, what is technically a blog. So the best definition I've come up with for interactive writing is um, writing electronically so that your words can be conveyed, copied, connected, commented on, and collaboratively constructed. So that's kind of fun with all of those C's. But you can do that in a lot of different places. Um, you know, this is happening. My daughter, my middle daughter, who's a seventh grader, desperately wants a Facebook account. Okay, she's going to turn 13 next year and get one. We've compromised that she has an Instagram. Okay, so some of her friends have Instagram. Guess what? They're doing interactive writing frequently, not only liking their pictures, but commenting and, and things back and forth. Um, and there's a lot of important things for us to learn as we're in this interactive writing environment. I believe that every teacher ought to have a place to do interactive writing. But being in our litigious society, I think we want that to be moderated. So we want a space where before the posts go up, before the comments go up, we get to approve them and see them. Um, so uh, is it possible for us to just use My Big Campus to do all of our interaction? Yeah, sure, it is. Um, and it's kind of fun. We're, we've started an after-school club. Chris has started one for scratch at IES at Lakeview. This has just been the second week. We've got a club uh, for story chasers, for kids who are uh, being journalists. And we've got a little My Big Campus, you know, um, environment here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to see. I, uh, I had posts I messed up the first week and the microphone didn't work, and so, you know, I got all these comments from these kids, you know, it's okay, we all make mistakes, you know, they were all encouraging to me, it was really cool, that was great, um, and that didn't require moderation, but it's also private, it's not something that, you know, parents can see or, or, or others can see, and I really think that we want to help kids learn how to appropriately interact and publish and share out on the open web, not just behind the locked door, behind the, the login um, of, of my big campus. So um, I've got a couple video examples, and I, I'm not, probably I'm not going to show, oh, for sure, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how many of these I'm, I'll, I'll show. Um, but what I want to begin with are, are some just examples to go to, and then we'll take a look at some videos and how to, how to set this up, because I think examples speak to this better than, than other things might. Uh, I think is this this may is this the same Mason that's in uh, he's in um, yeah but he's in um, who's who's in her pod that starts with a C um, we'll find out we have a website in Yukon lessons.uconps.com and we've got a list of uh, Cromwell we've got a list of um, all of the different sites that teachers are using interactively with students. So, for instance, Ms. Clinton is using Audioboo for her library at IES, 
And so there's a channel where kids are publishing all kinds of book reviews about the Sequoia books, and so that is available there. Um, I was going to bring this up because Mason is one of the kids. Miss Hoagie, Sue Hoagie, is a fifth grade writing teacher, and she's been using blogs for a year now with her students. <coughs> and it's interesting to see um, how some kids really get excited about this and um, really take on the idea of being able to write and publish. Mason has his banana news that he writes, and uh, so he's, you know, this is far more than just what's assigned in class. You know, he's writing his own newspaper column here for folks to check out. And he's awarded some awards to uh, Kylie for, for, for someone for other posts that they've done. And uh, it's just a, it's a nice example of seeing how, you know, some kids are very excited and empowered with the idea of sharing. So here, you know, he's sharing a website, Cleverbot, that he found. Um, but all of these posts Ms. Hoagie has looked at and she's approved before they have gone um, live on her website. Um, so that's one that I just added the other day. Um, here is, I don't remember what this one was. This one isn't a Yukon example. Um, hmm. Well, I guess this is, just, this is an example of a first grade classroom, and I think maybe this shows the idea of a window. What's going on? She says, during our readers' workshop, we've been discussing the opinion of characters, readers, and writers. Uh, browsing through our voice threads, I found a few treats. So here's how some kids are doing book reviews with voice threads. Um, and even though it's called that, I don't think he's a good boy because he does all this bad stuff through the book. And on one page, he pees all over the place. Do you think he's a good dog or not? I don't think he's a good dog. So I agree with you, Lydia. He, well, he doesn't do it. So this is taking it beyond just writing. You know, they're recording, they're using VoiceThread to do that. But um, I would love it if one of the teachers of any of my three children would use a blog um, as a window into what they're doing. You know, what's going on in class? Um, what are the kids creating? What are they thinking? Um, what are their, you know, having them use their communication skills, sharing what they're doing in the curriculum, what are they learning? I think that would be great. Yeah, I mean, what is that? that particular site wasn't a kid blog powered site. I think they are using, <coughs> I think they might be using iWeb um, to do this, which Apple is not, you know, supporting anymore. Um, it's, a, it's a blogging tool. Um, and actually on some of these, oh, that's what she's doing, Sign Up Genius. Huh. Okay, so there you go. There's the, a website. There's a variety of different, different tools. Um, and one of the cool things, and whenever I can, I put people's Twitter IDs there. Uh, because their classroom Twitter handle is Frasier First. So uh, this is a picture that they just took of a mealworm that turned into a pupa. Is that right? Pupa? Pupa. pupa. <laughs> 
And so, anyway, uh, we could directly tweet her and ask her questions and say, hey, liked your blog, you know, what are you using um, for updating? And I like that title, too, Behind the Scenes in FirstGrade.com. Now, what do you, like, I have a student in my classroom whose parents refuse to do any photographs have right. like this at all, and it is difficult whenever we take pictures, we got, you know, we don't color it up Right. Yes, and and there are reasons. I mean, I've had situations with uh, custody, you know, stuff where you know we can't disclose the child's name, can't you know take the child's photograph. There's a lot of options for sharing media, and we don't always have to take pictures of them. We can take pictures of their artwork. We can take pictures of of other things that we share. Um, I think that for those those parents, and there are a lot of them who. You know, just don't want, we've got parents that prohibit their kids from being on my campus, for instance. Um, this is one of the reasons I think we want to make things public and celebrate it because um, as we have opportunities to publicly recognize what students have done, we can, there can be pressure created where the kids, they want to participate. You know, they want to be a part of it. Yes. Right, right. And so I, I think that's probably the, you know, we can directly confront it when we have, you know, parent-teacher night and we have a chance to be able to show, you know, we're, the reason we're doing this is we want to showcase our kids' work and we're trying to, you know, that's right. And we're also being serious about Internet safety and we're not, you know, publishing our addresses and putting our phone numbers, you know, because we're talking about that. Because guess what? My daughter isn't 13, but she has an Instagram. Has she taken pictures of herself? Yeah. We had conversations about that? Yeah. How are we going to address safety? We're going to do it through conversation. You know, and if the kids don't have a chance to have conversations, and that even starts young, with what they're doing, then we're not going to be able to address it. So. Right, right. So I really think that we need to use these tools to be creating and let kids write. In the interactive you know, writing space, there is an app for KidBlog that you can have. Yes, and so being able to do that, it's a good thing. So here are a couple examples. This is my favorite one from last year. This, and some of you have heard this, me share this before. This was Debbie Callison's sixth grade English class. Last spring, she had the students put their definition poem on the web, and Cooper put his poem on what is a champion. So, oops. A little bit later, we had some comments that showed up on this on this post, and we've got this comment from Miss um, Callison. Okay, but then below it it says, "Cooper, you've been a champion in many sports. Your hard work and dedication has paid off. But more important than sports is the fact that you're a champion at heart and a champion as a person. Keep it up, Dad. Hammer. Keep it up, Hammer, Dad. Sorry. So Dad wrote that. I think that's a pretty big deal. You know, we don't oftentimes as adults publicly with writing edify our students for something they've done academically. He's edifying him for his, his sports uh, work as well. But um, I think that's, that's a pretty big deal. And if we go actually to the post, um, mom uh, tuned in after I had shared that and posted that. So the tenth comment here, if we go all the way to the bottom, is mom. Cooper, you've done a great job. You know what it takes to be a champion. So, um, you know, are we going to see this happen all the time? No, we're not. But when we are having an interactive space to be writing and our kids are having chances to be able to post and share, 
<coughs> we open up the door for this kind of thing to take place, for this kind of thing to happen, for parents to be able to provide feedback and for others to provide feedback as well. So um, the, there are a lot of different platforms that we can use to be publishing, and my favorite one has definitely become KidBlog. It uh, doesn't mean it's the only one to use. No, there's a lot of, of ones you can use. But KidBlog is free and it's advertisement free. And what I'd like to go ahead and show is this video, um, which was created in Palm Beach County, Florida. Um, a friend of mine, Lee Colbert, created this. And they had, they've, not, they've since discontinued it, but they kind of had a show that they would do, I don't know if it was monthly or every other week, but their educational technology team for their district would produce these. And Lee, I think, did this with a student that she had just had in, in uh, third or fourth grade. We'll hear him, hear him talk. But the student is going to be the one talking, okay? So they're going to talk and share a little bit about what they're doing. like to do this, or anybody in your building would like to do this, I am happy to set this up for you from PowerSchool. One of the things that Valerie has sort of knighted me to be able to do is to do run a report and grab the kids' login information, the same stuff they use for the library with that same login. 
and I grab it as a com you know Excel file and get a common limited file and import it so it's all set up. So that's one of the, the sort of hiccups of getting started is, oh, how am I going to get my kids to, to log in? So I have been able to, to do that just like six teachers have done it so far, but I'd love to do that for you or other teachers in your building uh, because that's that's an initial hurdle. It's just, uh, Now, my parents have done pre-K. They don't do grades or but probably as your kids are enrolled, I'm thinking that they would still be in power school. We'll have to check. Yeah, if they're okay, yeah. So if they're in power school, then, then they should be there. And what we do is they have their student number, and so we grab their student number and put S in front of it. So that's their login is S and their number, and then their password is their first name followed by their number. So it's a common syntax, and that is a hurdle to get over because. We, we have more teachers using a blog just as an information communication resource, but I really think we want kids to have their account because then they log in, they're posting their stuff, there's an ownership side to that, and... Um, Right, right. And, and, if, and it depends on how the teachers want to use it. I mean, Lee's describing it where she's completely doing it as a free writing activity. Debbie Callison is using it mainly as a place where kids turn in their work. I mean, we're using My Big Campus some, but, you know, kids are... are and if there are students that their parents don't want to participate, there are other options. You know, they can turn in the paper. They don't have to do this. But the, there's a lot of benefit, and we want them to hopefully be excited about, you know, being able to share this publicly and see the, see the benefit of that. So I want to just let you know that I'm happy to do that, and that's eventually our district, I don't know when, is going to hand out Google emails to all students. We're going to do that in the next few years sometime. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the fall. Maybe it's in a year. But uh, KidBlog does work with a Google login, and so there will be a way for kids, you know, single sign-on, you know, hopefully – Oh, that's the dream, right? The dream is you have one login. The reality is you don't. You, you have more, but um, it does work with Google, so that's good. Ah! Well, that's a bummer. I thought it would just start playing where I stopped. Let's see if we can guess where we started. So I set up my class. I made it Mrs. Colbert's class. Very original. Yes. <laughs> and we've got um, a listing of our recent posts. And what you can do here is drop down to see the most recent of 10, 25, 50, or 100 posts. And you can see from this month, this year, or any time. And then I've also put the kids in different groups. So you can see that I've got them um, organized by their homework. So I've got three different classes and I've got them. So that the kids actually are really rocking the blog. So that if you know you're looking for a particular group, you can just sort by group. So really very convenient. And um, you see the author here. I'm using his first names only. And what's really nice about KidBlog is that there's no personal information needed for students. You do not need to use any last names. You do not need to use email addresses. As a teacher, you set up the information for the students, and there's nothing uh, that you're doing that's putting the students at risk. Correct. Okay. Right. Yeah. Make sure I'm doing this right, because I want to make sure I'm giving the right information out. This is great. So can we look at your blog? I mean, I saw that one right here, right? Okay. So, Katie, we're going to go down here. Here you are, Katie G. Yep. And let's take a look. You've got quite a few here. And let's see. Look at all these comments. So two comments, two comments, two comments. Look at that 20 comments. What are three foods I hate? Let's take a look at this one. 
And you've even got a picture in there. Very nice. <laughs> and look at this. This is nothing. Now, did you write this in class or at home? How did you do this? Well, I wrote it in like class, that. but then I decided I wanted to blog it to see what people thought about it. And what were some of the results? Well, some people told them they liked what I disliked, they disliked what I didn't like, and some people have familiar thoughts about this Okay, and you did a great job with you. your details. I know that when I was reading this and you talked about broccoli being hairy, <laughs> you may not want to eat broccoli anymore. So you're a really good writer, and it really you. made me feel good that you wanted to put this on your blog. And with 20 comments on this, that was really awesome. So you had other people reading this, and then you saw that all these people read your blog and then commented, and there's a conversation going on here with your blog, and this is not something, these are people that you know. Right. Okay. So these are people that, a lot of them are teachers, so I actually took this out to my personal learning network and sent the link out to Katie's blog and asked people to, hey, take a look, look at what Katie's written, and give her some feedback if you like. And I'm going to pause for a second. William Chamberlain, who's the commenter there, I'm going to talk in a minute about a, new, a project that's going on called Comments for Kids, and it's a Twitter project to encourage other people to comment on student work. And actually, William Chamberlain, who was commenting here on... Uh, on Lee's blog is the one who started that. He's a teacher in Missouri. There are people. Look at this. Mrs. Nay, who is a teacher librarian from Australia. Wow. Look how far your blog went. That's pretty far. That's interesting. That's pretty cool. So let's take a look also. Here's back to all blogs. So we've got um, all of our students here. All the names appear over here. So that anybody who comes to our class blog can just go straight to a particular student if they're interested. Or, like I said before, they can go to the latest blog. And they can also go to some blogs where they see there's been some recent comments. And they can also, if they want to be really kind, find somebody who doesn't have any comments and maybe leave a comment for that particular student. Okay. So I'm going to pause it there. It goes on a little bit longer. But I thought that was good. That was a good, you know, video showcasing the idea of kid blog. And I would love for us to do more showcasing like this with our students. You know, how are we going to help parents overcome fear? How are we going to help teachers overcome fear of doing it? A lot of it's going to be when someone here in your building, you know, who's another teacher and with students, has success doing it and, and uh, they're able to, you know, show what they've done and explain uh, what they've done. So I'm going to go ahead and log in to one of our kid blogs to kind of show you how this is working. I'm going to go to uh, one of Ms. Hoagie's class blogs and as I've helped teachers get these set up, um, I have, have been a, a teacher in there as well. I usually don't moderate a lot of the comments, but sometimes I'll, I'll go in there and, and take a look at what's going on. So I'm going to log in, um, if I can remember my password. And so because I'm here as a teacher, um, I have a different control panel than what the students will see. Um, it looks like there is one pending comment that hasn't been approved yet, so I'm going to go ahead and click on that. And Mrs. McKee was a guest, said you did a great job with your haiku. It was very descriptive. Now, actually, um, normally I would just approve this directly. What do you notice about this comment? She put you instead, she put you instead of your. So I'm just, because, you know, we, we have the editing ability, I'm going to go ahead and click edit on this, and I'm just going to go ahead and put your. And I'll just fix that and say approved, and now that comment is going to show up for uh, this student to be able to see. I can click view if I want to go directly to that comment. So this was Elizabeth's blog. Um, she wrote about Valentine's Day, <laughs> and she doesn't like pink or Valentine's Day. 
All right? But this is the key left to Cobbett for her and Lexpink. All right. So it's a, it's available. Why does it say awaiting moderation? That's interesting. Maybe yeah, it, that was different than the one you posted. Yes, so you can have this set up where you get what's called a notif oops, you get a notification and uh, you'll get you'll get notified every time something comes. Generally Yeah. Generally teachers will turn that off because as you have an active blog, um, especially you can get a lot. And so you can just kinda it can become part of your pattern of what you do. You check your email, log in and, and check the blog to see. Um, but it also can be nice if it's not very active, you know, to be notified when when something comes in like that. So sometimes I'll approve things. Anytime there's something controversial, I won't approve that, and you know, you, the teacher will, will handle that. Um, if the kids on there, do they each have to have their own code? Do you give them the classroom code? Um, how, how does that? Would I give the parents the code? So that's the part I'm, I'm happy to help with. And the way that I do that is under the user's account or the user's button here, there's a button that says bulk create. And I just use this import and, and from PowerSchool uh, get a file that's got uh, S and the number and then their first name followed by their number because that's the syntax. Yep, absolutely. Just send me an email and I'll be happy to set that up for you. And, and then, you know, I can... You know, come. We can we can meet separately, and then when you introduce this to your kids, I can introduce it as a, a demonstration lesson, or you know, depending on how many classes that you've got. Um, if you got you, two, your two pre-K pre classes, yeah. So you know, the the biggest challenge for this is definitely the, the password and, and getting logged in. If the kids aren't using, do they use that number in the cafeteria to do their food? Okay, so this will be a new you know number for them. Right, and and you may want to think about like I know at Lakeview and maybe it's IES two on their planners they've got those written down. Yeah. The kids have their student number written down on their planner, you know, so they can have that to re refer to. So that same kind of thing is you might you might have that, so they'll be able to have that and log in. Because what this looks like for the student is they are going to be going to. Um, you can, but actually just the web page works really well, and generally you wouldn't. That, that, <coughs> the, the app is going to be more probably for writing when you're going to, when you're going to post. So if they're going to want to write from home or write you know, somewhere else. Um, this is what it's going to look like when they, when they log in. Um, the parents, by the way, don't have to log in in order to comment. So we can go, like if we go to Elizabeth's post here, I'm, not, I'm logged out. Um, I could go ahead and comment, and it's going to have me put my name in, but it's not going to show up until it's approved, and I don't have to have any kind of login. When the kids click login, um, and we might, hmm, we, we, generally what I've done is these, these will be set up first so that it has, uh, it says S in their number, and then we change it to their first name. With pre-K kids, might just go ahead and do that for them, so they don't have to. They don't have to change. Right. They could, and we could provide those instructions and, and and do that. What the kids get to do, and they like this part a lot, is they get to choose an avatar that they'd like to have go with their picture. So um, when you click on your name when you're logged in. All right, you already did it. They and it's nice because they provide I think just under 50 avatars that are there and for most classes we'll just say here go with this. 
But kids can add their own, so then we have a conversation. Some teachers have said, no other avatars, I only want you to use these. And then others have said, you know, our rule is generally no photographs. We want you to use an avatar, but, um, you know, and use one that's appropriate. So we've got some OSU, of course, and some OU, and some, you know, Thunder, and, and other, other kinds of things like that. So um, when the kids are, are ready to write, um, they'll log in to their blog, and then they're going to click on New Post, and then they're going to put in a title and whatever they want to put in to their post. Um, the magic keys of this are really their login, being able to individually log in and then get to their stuff. So we can talk about how to, how to facilitate that. But I think probably um, an instruction sheet that we might send home to parents, so if they wanted to, you know, change their avatar or help their child do that, um, and then they could, they could see how their, their student can, can log in. Um, it looks like there actually are a couple. So Ms. Ms. McKee has left a couple comments here. Um, when you have 120 kids, as Ms. Callison does, and you've got them all, you know, assigned to do a post, that that is a lot to approve. And it would be possible <coughs> to change the settings. But the last thing, one of the last things I think we would want to have happen as we're getting going with interactive writing in our school district is for there to be bullying, for there to be profanity, for there to be something happen that, you know, kind of blows up. And I think taking the conservative path where we moderate all the content is our best, our best path forward. Um, it's interesting hearing bloggers from other places and, and teachers who use blogs with their class talk about it. Um, I've heard some, you know, Canadian teachers, Clarence Fisher was one years ago who said that, you know, his kids got really frustrated with him as a middle school teacher because he wasn't on all the time approving their stuff and they wanted him to get out of the way. So for him, in his context, he started to allow kids to post directly, but he still approved the comments, um, I think, that were going up there. But, you know, I think that it's, it's probably good for us to take the, the conservative approach. So you can see on this blog, um, Sue's kids have posted 188 things. Um, they've had 383 approved comments. There are 49 drafts right now that kids have saved, but they haven't submitted yet. And so when a student is logged in, they, don't, they can't review posts. They don't get to approve them like we're doing here. Um, what they get to do is under new posts, it doesn't say publish. It says submit for review. And they click submit for review, and then it goes to the teacher. And in the dashboard, you'll see that there are pending posts. And then you can approve those posts so those go live um, for other people to be able to see. So I've used EduBlogs and I've used Blogger um, with students. I've also experimented having um, older students, you know, university students, create their own blogs and then having a class blog. I have liked better a class blog because it has all of our content here and it's been harder for someone to get lost and nobody to see their work, to see their posts. I really like how KidBlog creates this directory on the side. So if I'm Caleb's parent, I can click right there on Caleb, and I've got all of Caleb's posts here, and I can see the recent comments that people have made on Caleb's work, okay, that comes up here on the side. So um, there are a lot of different, you know, sites that you can use. There's ones that you can pay for. Uh, KidBlog is one that is free. Um, and one of the links, which I actually put on here, and Sue Hoagie just, just told me about this actually this week, is um, there is a wonderful Saturday 
webinar that happens almost every Saturday, and it's called Classroom 2.0. And this last Saturday, one of the co-founders of KidBlog is a guy named Matt Hardy, and he was interviewed on February 9th, and um, the whole recording is here. And because Sue has followed KidBlog on Facebook, she saw this, and um, I will not... It's an hour and 16 minutes long, so I won't do the whole thing, but I'll just start... Well, <coughs> I'm going to start this and fast forward a little bit into it because um, they'll do some introductory kind of things where they find out who's there, and usually there's <coughs> somewhere around, probably around 50 people from around the world that, that tune into their... Um, Tune into their programs. I don't know why that's not coming up. It's being slow. So anyway, it's another professional development um, opportunity. And, and Kidblog, I think he's uh, Chicago-based, and he was actually a computer programmer. But he tells kind of the story of how this came about, and you know why he wanted to make it a difference, and why learning is messy, and blogging is a good thing to do because it gives kids chances to write, and teachers to you know be able to moderate their work, and for this whole conversation to happen between between teachers and kids. Any questions about KidBlog or comments that you have about that? I was hoping that we would be able to get some of our teachers who have been using it to kind of come together and talk. And what I might try and facilitate, I think I'm going to in the next, maybe it might be before spring break or, or afterwards, but in the next couple months, um, is I'm going to try and do some interviews um, with teachers and with students who are using it to talk a little bit about how they're using it, what they're learning, um, because there are so many different ways that the blog can be used. When Lee was talking about having it as an open choice, you know, just place to publish, that's certainly one way. It can also be that place that, you know, I'm requiring, you know, kids to write and, and post stuff as long as their parents give approval. Somebody's dead set against publishing it all online. They don't have to. Um, but there's a lot of other, other possibilities as far as how, how kids can use this and respond. Um, <coughs> Two quick connections, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, Google. We have done an experiment with Ms. Swanda's seventh grade students this year having blogging buddies. And so I've been working with Ms. Swanda on a community voices project where her seventh graders have interviewed family members, and they're about to do a narrated slideshow. They've written up a little um, essay about it. And so we just assigned blog buddies so each of the fifth graders um, had a blog buddy, and each of the um, uh, eighth graders, I think, had, had two or three. And so they could click right here in this Google spreadsheet, and then they could go to their blog buddy's blog. And so there have been, you know, some interaction between the classes, um, you know, right here in Yukon. This is the first time I think we've done anything like this before. I'd love for more things like that to happen. There is a really neat... Um, blogging project called quad blogging that some teachers have started and these are groups of four classrooms that blog together and so they might have a common theme a common book they study and then they're able to see and hear how that feedback and you know perceptions of kids in different places who are writing because as we get more kids writing and publishing I think an enduring challenge is going to be that audience question you know how do I get an audience for my kids in fact, that's one reason for you to think about um, getting on Twitter if you're not already and using it. I mentioned the Comments for Kids project, and this was originally a wiki, and you could sign up on a Google form and say, hey, I want you to comment, for my, uh, you know, comment on my kids' work. But now it's simply a hashtag on Twitter. 
What does that mean? Okay, so three hours ago, Kim Gill, who I happen to know who is in uh, Canada, she's in Cambridge, Ontario, um, and so you can click on somebody's profile and check out who they are. You know, that's part of the reason to sort of give information about yourself. Three hours ago, Kim Gill in Ontario said, so proud of the Gill, the Leans, and their Angry Bird animation projects. Check out their amazing blogs. So we can go ahead and click this link, and we're immediately going to, and this just happens to be on KidBlog. Not everybody using this project is on KidBlog. But here is her website for her students. Three hours ago, real time in Ontario, Alex posted my angry, my awesome angry bird scene. All right? And so here's his introduction and his step one about making his bird and building his structure. And then he's got a little 35-second video about planning that. My first angry bird when he gets all too big, he grows big. My next angry bird when he goes off the um, room truck, he goes in a funny flying pattern like Lucy would. My next angry bird, he flies over top of them. And then when you tap on the screen, he, he like, turns the screen and he falls right on top. All right, so there's, there's his planning. And we could even, you know, if we wanted to follow this a little bit, uh, they've got a channel that they've uh, set up on Vimeo. I've actually, I'm on my Verizon card because otherwise I'd have to unblock it. Vimeo's blocked on our filter, but you can unblock it. And so here are the videos that have been posted so far, and it looks like this just started. Isaac did one a week ago, Jordan. This one doesn't have another title, and this is called Alex's Bird Planning. So isn't that awesome? I think that's great. And it's a way, every time now I'm teaching pre-service teachers or I'm teaching a class about interactive writing and blogging, I'm sharing comments for kids. Why? Because this is the real stuff. These are actual, you know, classroom teachers, librarians, others who are... <coughs> wanting to amplify their work, and I'm always reminded of um, the Shrek video on Shrek 1 where Donkey jumps around in the DVD and he says, pick me, pick me. It's kind of like comments for kids. Come look at me, come look at me, look at my work. But this is a reason to think about getting onto Twitter because as you get onto Twitter and you connect with different people and you send something out to folks who follow you, you can, have, you know, you can get people to come check it out, you know, come Come take a look at the great project, you know, the kids just did on such and such book. Um, so I think those are, those are pretty neat projects. Bless you. And um, we don't, to my knowledge, have, I don't think we've got any teachers doing this kind of thing yet, like a quad blogging project or something where, you know, we, we've, we, we're doing a more intentional writing activity that involves our, you know, students in different places. Uh, this Blog Buddies was just a very, you know, modest beginning at that. But I think we need to do more of it, and I'd love to work with you all or other teachers that you know to encourage that kind of thing. Now, can they put um, a picture with a comment? No. Uh, well, they can have a link. Hmm. I think you can just do links and comments. In the post, you can. You can have pictures that go with it. Um, I think you get to decide on your settings what, what you allow people to do, whether you even want them to do links or not. Um, but I don't, I don't think so. I think you can put links in there. But I think pictures would have to come in a post rather than a comment, I think. Something that we've done in most of the classes is the kids have brainstormed tips for commenting. And so they've kind of come up with their own guidelines. And these are things that, you know, can change over time. But this is part of 
you know, co-creating that classroom culture. You know, how do we want to set this up? What would be the, the rules to follow as we're, we're commenting? And this is something that Sue was talking about with her kids now. You know, why is cool, good, nice? Why are those not great comments? Well, you're really not, the way she said it is, and she's telling it to her kids, you're really not proving to that person you read their post. It's like a generic comment. Cool. You know, that didn't tell me you even read my, my post. So leave some proof that you've read it. Ask them a question. Engage them in a conversation. And that whole, you know, process isn't something that comes naturally to kids. What's natural is the LOL, text messaging, you know, words or whatever. And so getting them to think about what kind of a comment do you want to receive? Um, you know, how could you provide some good feedback? Um, if you've got something to suggest, how could you do that in a way that doesn't make the person feel like an idiot? You know, can you sandwich that with some praise or some positive feedback? All those kinds of things. So it's good to, to brainstorm that with kids and, and come up with it. You could do it on your own or you could copy theirs, but better to create that as a class and then re, you know, revisit that periodically and see if there's something that we should, we should change or add. One other thing that I'll mention with her blog, and I just told her about this the other day, um, there is an amazing ebook that was just created in January in Indonesia that uh, is called Our Batak House, and it's a story that uh, kids that Jane, um, her uh, Twitter ID is Jane in Java. And they published this ebook, uh, Jane Ross. Um, and so I, I found out about it. In fact, Sue just finished some ebooks. She had looked at, at Jane's, uh, we'd shown it to, to her kids, and then her kids um, made an ebook based off of an idiom project that they've been doing. Well, Jane just said, hey, maybe your kids would like to blog with my kids. And so we just added the link to her blog. So these are kids in Indonesia, and you can come down here, they're in grade four. And so you can click on Marcel's blog and see what Marcel is writing. But, you know, this kind of an opportunity to connect kids and then to be able to write back and forth and, to, and, and get feedback, this is a new world. Now, is it all new? No. We've been doing pen pal programs and pen pal exchanges. But the fact that these kids are on the other side of the planet and, you know, they write something tomorrow or yesterday or whatever the time zone difference works, and our kids right here in Yukon, you know, could be writing back and forth and, and commenting. And then even now, we've seen some ebooks that they've created. <coughs> Once we get these published, and we didn't, Sue just finished them this week, you know, their kids will read our ebooks. I mean, that those kind of possibilities are very doable, and we're not even, we're just at baby step number one with doing that kind of thing with kids. So I'd love to see more more collaboration happening in terms of writing. And one of the bottom lines of this for me is just getting kids to write more. You know, if kids can be more excited about writing, if they can take, um, if they can have some intrinsic motivation, not just for wanting to do it for the assignment, but wanting to do it because, you know, they've got an audience out there, they've got ideas they want to share, I want to encourage that as much as we can. And this is a great, a great platform for doing that. Okay, um, let me uh, go ahead and um, mention just what else is on here, and I think we might take a look at the Google Doc video, and then that's probably going to be about it. Each one of the, the pages on the Mapping Media to the Common Core site is structured the same, where you've got a definition, you have tool, you have um, 
a, a process, tools, and examples. And I think the best way to look at most of these is usually to skip all the way to the bottom and to look at examples um, of different you know, sites and places. In fact, one, um, tell me your first name. So Ashley is teaching young kids. This is um, called the Kinder Kids Blog, and Maria Nee is a kindergarten teacher in Deerfield, New Hampshire. And I just love Maria and have, have had opportunities to work with her and, and meet her. And she does a wonderful, wonderful job with her blog, uh, not only showing what students are doing, but giving chances for the kids to be able to write. She uses a site called Classroom Blogmeister, and um, you can... Like on kid blogs, you can go over here and click and see, you know, what, what the kids are doing. And so, you know, there's lots of invented writing here. There's art here. Uh, there's, you know, pictures that they're, they're taking and they're commenting on. Uh, but that's a great example of... Right, she puts editors know. She lets them write their way. Yeah. You write it. And that is nice. Out the end. What are they actually saying? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that was because you don't change what the kid did. Yeah. That's their stuff. And this is honestly a big obstacle for a lot of this writing. A lot of times as teachers will say, oh, my gosh, my kids are going to misspell things and my parents are going to judge me and they're going to think I'm a horrible teacher. So it's important to establish, and it might be easier at earlier levels, you know, Look, this is the kid's writing. If I correct all this and make all this perfect, guess whose writing you're saying? Mine. You know, I want you to see your child's work. And, of course, there's comparisons and things like that. And at the extreme of that, we've got some parents that make schools do away with, you know, honor rolls. And, you know, we can't have any comparisons. I mean... And there's always a conversation that yeah. way. I mean, the child says, this is what it says. And yeah. Well, I and then type that. Write that. Yeah. And then, but to me, the greatest thing on there is the editor's note. Yeah. Yeah. Because how do we acquire language? Right. And if we can have a classroom culture that is supportive of, of everybody's learning and everybody's progress, right? Because we are all in different places with our writing, with our art, you know, and we want to celebrate everybody moving forward with their skills. This is neat, too, because it'll show how many reads. So this one has been read 65 times, and so there's a comment. Right, and you can do that with KidBlock. We're not doing a ton of that, um, you know, in the classes. Miss Hoagie has done some of that, like with their idioms. They drew pictures, and so she took those with a digital camera and put them on Picasso, and then the kids, the way that she did that was they then copied the picture and, yeah. and, and faced it over. You can and okay, you can. Okay. You can scan too, right, and just put the actual digital. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. So I bring that up because that's a, that's a great example of a kindergarten uh, class. And Maria Nee is on Twitter, but then she also has a, a Twitter account for her uh, class called the Kinder Kids. And, um, you know, there are ways to have um, posts automatically go up here. Here is the last one from February 13th. Can you guess what we made today? Stay tuned. More to follow. And so we'll click on this. And this is just a TwitPick. And obviously, there's some snow up there in the Northeast. That's what I thought you could do. Like, um, I already posted one that said, find pictures of the letter U or write about the letter U. And then, you know, since we're doing that next week, they can work on it this weekend. Yeah. We can share with everyone. Yeah. And so ways to communicate with families are, is everyone going to be on Twitter? No. Is everybody going to go to a blog? No. But um, there's a lot of ways now that we can... We can show what we're doing and let kids do it on a bigger stage than they've had before. And 
by moderating content and approving content and talking about you know, a lot of different things that go with this, we're helping kids uh, grow in their digital literacy and grow in their you know, traditional literacy skills as well as, as their new, new literacy skills. So I've got different tools that are listed here. Class Blogmeister is the one that Maria Nee uses, and David Warlick, who's actually an um, educational technology author and speaker, he's done this for years. Um, and you can go and search, like if we want to find, let's find uh, Oklahoma schools that are using Classroom Blogmeister. So I'll go to Oklahoma to find them by states. And so here are... Susan Stansbury. Yeah, Susan Stansbury. Hey, when was the last time Susan updated hers? I bet it's old. Yeah, I shouldn't have anything on it. <laughs> Um, so those are the people that have registered on it. That's why the comments for kids is kind of nice because as I've had, I've asked kids to go find a current blog, you know, some of these indices are, are not being updated. So if you, and I've got the link here to, to uh, comments, oh, that was the comments by kids. If you use the comments for kids um, hashtag, you're going to see, you know, current things that are being, that are being written, so. Now on the My Big Campus, can you do something where you like seriously? Since I've just been in this room, I think I have 50 emails from My Big Campus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can turn off the notification. Yeah, turn off the notifications. Yeah, yeah. And I think My Big Campus is exciting, but where I want to really encourage folks to to look even more is these open tools. That yes, they'll allow you to moderate, but they'll allow your kids to have a bigger audience, and they'll allow parents to have a better opportunity to see, you know, what's going on and what are we doing. Okay. Um, last thing I'll mention, and uh, we'll, we'll just see this real quick. Have, have you all seen the teachers and principals talk about Google Docs? Have you all seen this before? I'll go ahead and show you this, and we'll just kind of wrap up with this. Um, the Google Docs is another place to do interactive writing. And now, this is one of these videos that kind of makes it seem over the top. If you use Google Docs with your kids, everything will be wonderful. They'll love writing and they'll each become a, you know, worldwide known author. Not exactly, but it is exciting. The biggest thing with Docs is that it's accessible 24 7, 365. All my docs are right there, no matter what machine or what station I'm on. We're able to incorporate and integrate uh, the Google Apps and the Google Docs into pretty much everything we do in the school. Google Docs has really given my students control over their education to a higher degree than they've ever had before. Google Docs, I can write it out of the Google document at home, open it up on my email here, then finish it up. Instead of emailing like a few minutes back and forth, I'm just like, okay, I can save it and go. Uh, I'm good to go from Hong Kong to India, wherever I am. One student isn't just sitting in front of the computer and the rest are looking over their shoulder. Now, finally, all the students are able to participate in one particular assignment. One student began a poem, and then there were two other students that actually ended up finishing the poem. It was beautiful. I looked at my Google Docs, and I saw that one of the poems was being written by two kids at the very same time. At 11 o'clock at night. And to me, that means that learning is happening at all times of the day. Recently, we had students in Virginia and Alaska talking about hunting together. The Alaska students looked at some New York City stories, and they didn't quite get it because they had no idea what a cell phone was. I just wanted to really see how you could talk between people because I know if we have an essay, it'd be kind of fun to get another opinion on it before you turn it in. It would be pretty similar to just sitting next to someone and working on it together, but you could be in your own house. Exactly. 
we'll work on that with the major writing teaching class and we'll go through the writing process, brainstorm, draft, revise, edit, publish, and all that is done on one Google document. As a teacher, that gives me the opportunity to see which students are doing the lion's share of the work. You want to be able to see the growth in the student writing and do they really take the comments that are on the page from the teacher and then apply those back into the work. I always tell my students that my idea is perfect until somebody else reads it. And when I interact with somebody else with my idea, the idea becomes better. And I think Google Docs helps us do that. The benefit of using um, Google Docs, Google Presentations, um, Spreadsheet is it allows the students really to publish and to become publishers on a worldwide level. It's no longer, uh, I'm doing this to get the points needed for the grade and the teacher's the only one that's going to see it. I'm now publishing for my peers, I'm publishing for parents. It raises the level of their work because they begin to understand how many people are reading what they've done and they want it to be the best they can do. We were gathering together some college recommendations. How long is it going to take to pass the piece of paper around the room? One of the teachers sitting at the table said, this is an obvious Google Docs, we can't do this any other way. We had a technology open house last week. Let's say there's 10 people who are helping to plan different phases of that open house. We'll open up a Google document and we will enter in what we've done and what steps we've taken, questions we have for each other. And it doesn't require endless amounts of meetings. In fact, it requires zero meetings. Kids who were totally divested from learning, not really interested in, in my class at all, come in every day and they're really excited to get on the laptop. It's just like, it makes the, the lesson a lot more interactive, and uh, it's definitely improved learning. If you learn to use Google Docs, they'll, they'll make your classroom more efficient, you save time, and you can do the art of teaching better than the frosting factors of, of teaching. I can't even fathom what, what we were doing at this time last year without the, the communication, without the collaboration, and without the ease of saving that Google Docs have offered us so far. So far, I say, because I have no idea what's coming next. Okay, so, yes, it's exciting. There's lots of, lots of positives. And what I would encourage you to think about, especially the elementary level, is using a Google Doc for different things that you're doing already with colleagues. You know, when you are planning a sign-up for something. You know, when you've got a grade-level um, project that you're working on. You know, collaborate together on a Google Doc. Again, at the point where we start handing out emails to students and each student in UConn has a Gmail account, then that's going to just open the floodgates for us with, with Google. Right now, not so much. You can create a document and let anybody edit it and give that link to the kids, but since they don't have their own logins with Google, the, the door is not as open there for our students as it is for teachers. But um, thank Yes, the Chromebook, and you can go see a Chromebook at uh, Best Buy right now. They are uh, 200 bucks more. Public Schools is one of our local metro area um, districts that's been piloting this. So um, I think the, the Samsung is the one that I've, I've heard is better to go with than the Acer. And I think you can get this for less than 250 I think you can get it for 200 um, But, yeah, it's a, it's a $200, $250 laptop. But it's all internet. It's not, you can't install Scratch. You, you, you've got Google Chrome. Anything that runs in Chrome, you know, you can run here. In Scratch 2.0, they're supposed to be making more web-based, so maybe that'll make it more, more accessible there. But thank you for staying to the bitter end. I hope that has given you some ideas. And please, 
share the opportunity that we have in UConn to, um, to have coaching and help with this. Because if, if you know somebody who's interested, they may be in your grade level or your building, or maybe not, you know, have them say, hey, give Wes a call. I'd love to visit with them. You know, hand-holding and helping set up the kid blog and get all that, those are important pieces. Because there's all these possibilities, but we know from experience, we can't simply say, hey, here's this great idea, and off, you know, the fire is lit and off you're running. Maybe there's a few teachers that are going to go and do that. Usually it takes, you know, coaching, help, assistance, um, and hand-holding. And that's what our coaching program is, is here to do. So thank you all very much. Could you I'd be glad to. Okay. I'm just trying to